Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And today's topic is a great one. It's really collaboration at large. So Lisa, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, well, I'm happy to introduce her the first time I've gotten to introduce her this way, Dr. Kimberly Cass. And uh, Kimberly is a friend who goes way back in some work with some schools and districts over time. So welcome, Kimberly. We're glad you're with us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, so we're excited to have you today to talk a little bit about a topic I know you love. Uh, and I love the fact that I, I thought of you as, as a person to talk on the podcast because you weren't in charge of everything, yet you kind of put yourself in charge of changing some things in a positive way in collaboration with lots of other great people. So we, we will acknowledge that. But could you talk a little bit about kind of your mindset of helping to change a district in the area of co-teaching and more inclusive practices? Well, I think I began, I, I was a special education supervisor and, and I came out of the gates just looking at the co-teaching model. Um, but by the time it was all said and done, several years later, um, inclusive practices was a message and including all students meaningfully. And um, it came, it began from my office, but um, buy-in came from central office really being invested in the idea and being involved and being the voice that they heard. Um, and so the teachers um, got excited. We did a lot of professional development with uh, Dr. Deeker um, and we did um, celebrations of the teachers. We did inclusive schools week. We did a lot of things across the district to send the message that this is a culture that that district was. And I, I was wondering, because I, I've worked with a lot of schools and teachers across the country, uh, in, in your work, did you see a lot of variation school to school in their willingness to adopt a model uh, like co-teaching? Absolutely. I think, and I think this is probably across the country would be my guess, is elementary is right. easier. Um, okay. High school is the most difficult um, because of the number of content courses and the number of teachers. Um, so yes, elementary, absolutely. Um, I began at the high school because it was the most challenging. And if I was to do it again, I would begin at the elementary, I think, um, because once teachers see it works and once teachers see excitement, um, they want to be a part of the party, as Lisa would say. Um, <laughs> yes, she does like to so. say that. Well, you know, one of the things that I've seen when I'm training teachers, though, is those secondary teachers feel like, oh, it's a lot easier at the elementary level. So that's what they think. And so they're like, oh, but I don't know. We were just talking about sciences, high-level math. I don't know that content area, so how would I go in and support someone? So I just wondered if you could give me an example of what you would expect from a teacher who might be the special ed teacher on a co-teach team who's put into a classroom in which they're not the content expert. What are some meaningful roles you would expect to see from that person? Um, I think that investing, and in, 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 as you guys know, Planning time is a very challenging thing to do um, and, and to have them have, you know, planning time at the same time. And I think that would be one of the major components of them being able to be seen as a team and present themselves as a team is being able to plan together. And um, by planning together, they can take the special education expertise and the content of the general ed teacher expertise and sort of work them together just to best present the information to the students. Yeah, and I know, I know, Kimberly, one of the things you did was at the secondary level, you uh, you were creative. And can you talk a little bit about your uh, celebration awards? Kind of talk, walk us through what that looked like 
when a teacher was celebrated and what you did with that? Because I thought it was very genius and, and really did get some great leverage in the district. Um, it was really exciting. The teachers got really excited about it. So what I did is I had teachers nominate other teachers um, for um, excellence and inclusive practices in, in a meaningful way. And they, I had them write like a paragraph about why they thought that their colleague was um, excellent in inclusive practices. And what we did is, what I chose to do was not just to present it myself, is I had the superintendent, the assistant superintendent, and very intentionally the ELL director, um, so that it was across um, all areas and it came from central office. And it was you know, an actual award um, and I went out and I got flowers um, and we went school to school and the teachers really got excited and the kids got excited. Um, in some schools, announcements were made over the loudspeaker. In some schools, kids lined the halls and clapped as the teachers walked by. Um, I had a retired um, counselor come in for his wife who received one and gave her flowers. Um, there was all, every school celebrated in a different way and, a, and in a really um, great way and involved the kids in every, every celebration. Yeah, I, I love that idea and especially because it really, it really brings some visibility to teams. So even if I don't co-teach with someone, now I'm more aware of collaborative settings because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing my colleagues recognized. Um, but sometimes things aren't all celebration. <laughs> so I wonder if you have any uh, information or ideas about how to problem solve when you see that two people who are working together are struggling to kind of find their balance or to find their, their match. Um, I think it's very, very challenging. I think ideally that they would pick each other. Um, my, my most successful co-teaching teams picked each other um, and, and were invested in the idea of co-teaching. The ones that were the most challenging were the ones that were told they were gonna co-teach. And I think that's huge um, when it comes to um, selecting which teachers are gonna co-teach together. Um, and with that said, if you had a, a pair that wasn't necessarily a pair that chose each other, um, it's certainly spending time with them and collaborating with them and talking about um, the importance of their collaboration and really highlighting the expertise of the special education teacher. Because at the secondary level, sometimes it's challenging for the general ed teachers to sort of understand what that expertise is and how it can be beneficial to them. I love it. And, and I know that one of the things that you always really focused on, I think in the about the second year, because we when we started this journey, you know, everybody kind of said, look, let's take five years. And I think you would agree, it took five years. Uh, and there still were holdouts even five years later, but I think the holdouts were the exception instead of the norm. And we jokingly would say it was an inclusion party. And those who weren't invited stopped trying to come to the party. They just kind of said, you know what, we're, we're going to move out of the way. But I think it was about year two that you and, and your leadership team really said, let's bring on the general ed side. And, and let's make this a different message. Can you talk to us a little bit about that general ed side uh, of that fence? Yeah, so absolutely. So I didn't want it to be a special ed thing. And so I intentionally sort of took myself out of being seen or heard with the message. The message was coming either from the building principal or it was coming from the central office superintendent, assistant superintendent. I worked most closely with the assistant superintendent. So she was the one sending out the emails, inviting people to um, do the um, trainings. And we would hand pick um, you know, general educators we thought that would jump on board 
and invite them to um, the Inclusive Practices Academy. We uh, we did a book study where we handpicked general educators and the book itself was Fish in a Tree, which is actually a book written for students um, about a young lady with, with dyslexia, um, just sort of see it from the students le of a, with a disability lens. Um, so there was a lot of thoughtful um, choosing of making sure that general ed was a lot of the focus because you're preaching to the choir with special ed. You got to get the general ed people involved and get them invested. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And my final, my final question, um, you guys, you know, I'm just teasing Lisa about the whole party idea, but it is what she does well. She does make people want to be a part of something. And we all know that, that generating some enthusiasm and helping people to see what can work instead of paying all of our attention to the things that aren't working really is key. So for my final question, could you give us an example of maybe what was the best thing you saw from a single co-teach team? Does something jump out at you that somebody did particularly well that might be instructive for the rest of us? I think that when the students don't know which teacher is which, I think that's huge. Um, I think that that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a team that is collaboratively, you know, educating the students. You know, I had a particular classroom at the junior high where she would pull kids to do enrichment, the special ed teacher would. She would, they would go back. If you got pulled from a classroom, it wasn't because you were a special ed kid. You got pulled from a classroom for a variety of different reasons. And so it was just the norm. Um, it wasn't, the co-teaching model was just, aren't we lucky we have two teachers in the room? And you know a lot of the things that, that Lisa shared with us that were really important were some of the smaller things. Special ed teacher should be in the classroom when the kids arrive. She shouldn't be showing up later. She should be doing like the do now so that the kids understand that she's part of that content um, sharing. Like all of those things so that there's equity in the relationship and viewed as equitable. So my final question is, uh, you know, you really uh, had some vision of where to start uh, you know, you, you really partnered with a, a great middle school principal we're hoping to get on this podcast, too, that really changed a building and is now the biggest fan of inclusion and co-teaching and, and partnered in that. But I think something else that you did isn't just walk in the buildings and make a difference, but you also were very data-driven. So kind of my final question, could you share with me things you use data, how you use data, kind of say where we're going, how we're moving forward. I know you kept a lot of, you know, which teachers were involved, how the buildings were moving forward. Any thoughts there that you might give advice to other buildings of ways to look at your progress? Um, I think that, and it's interesting because when you, you think about data and you think about progress and you think about inclusive practices as a culture, um, the culture shift takes time so the data doesn't come right away, right? So. You have to give it time in order for the culture in the building to be one of inclusivity and so that the kids are more included and so then it, you know you see the data so the data wasn't right away for sure um i think that's what folks thought i think they thought that we that you know we we had a consultant we were on fire about this so all the mcas boards are going to change immediately and that's not just the way it works um students are bigger than just their state test scores and so you have to look at the whole child and all of those pieces um, the benchmarks and the formative and summative assessments um, of the students beyond just the state data. 
Yeah, and I love that you took that day-to-day data as well. So any last, as we wrap up anything, other words of wisdom you'd like to share uh, that we didn't ask you? I just wanted to make sure I gave you a chance because I saw you have a, a great little list there of things you've been thinking about. Okay. Um, well, I was thinking actually about the convocation video because I thought that was a really neat thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is yes. We did a video of one of the students uh, who is um, now a film major in New York um, did a video across the district of, of um, uh, inclusive practices celebrating the teachers, having the teachers celebrate their relationships and um, highlight um, their strategies and experiences. And the kids shared about how they liked being with their peers and their friends. And they shared liking group work and being able to collaborate with their, their peers. And it was just really powerful to have the entire district in a room with a video just celebrating inclusive practices and teachers. And I just think that was pretty powerful message across the district to all staff. I love it. I love it. And everything you did always involved kids. So, I, well, we thank you for uh, sharing with us and congratulations on your recent doctorate. Uh, we're very proud of you. And I know University of Massachusetts Amherst is lucky to have you teaching some courses for them. So we appreciate you joining us, uh, Kimberly. And uh, if you have questions, please send us questions on our Facebook page at Practical Access, or you can send us a tweet at Access Practical. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.